DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, coming to you from three different states in Australia this week, but we had to come together as soon as we could because... Woj dropped another bomb overnight while we were sleeping. Uh, Rick Carlisle is uh, the Indiana Pacers coach once again after a 15-year absence from the franchise. Uh, the guy that coached us throughout the mid-2000s, uh, of course, famously during the season where the Malice at the Palace happens. We still made the playoffs with basically a uh, Reggie Miller in his last season and about 50 games of Jermaine O'Neal and basically no one else, Austin Crozier and a few others. And then he went off and won a title with the Dallas Mavericks. He's back now. Now, uh, Kevin Pritchard negotiated the deal personally. He didn't go through an interview process. He didn't uh, take his time with this one. He saw the best coach on the market and he got the best, best coach on the market. Alex, start with you. How happy are you right now with the choice of Rick Carlisle's Indiana Pacers coach? Well, I was a, I was a static last night. I mean, this was shocking to me. I, I, I remember we talked about it on the last episode. We didn't even mention Carlisle, did we? I mean, we were talking about Stotts and Clifford or, or Brian Shaw. So I was just assuming it would be one of those three. And out of nowhere, it seemed uh, again. I mean, he was the best coach in the market, like you said. So to get him and lock him in for four years, the winningest coach in Mavs history, won a championship, like you said. Um, so he's a winner, man, and and I think this gives the Pacers a chance. You know, it, it's win now mode, right? Like this is Simon forking out a lot of money for a head coach. Which, firstly, shout out to him because I didn't think he was going to do something like that. But uh, this tells you what direction the franchise wants to go in. Justin, you say it every single time one of these reports are made. The Pacers never leak. This name was never, ever leaked to the media whatsoever. There were three other names out there, and all of a sudden, bang, the signing happens, and no one knew about it before it happened. Yeah, it always happens, isn't it? I mean, we the betting companies all said Terry Stotts was favourite to the big Pacers and what last year was Mike D'Antoni, and it's never right. Um, the, the Pacers always keep things in-house. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. I really liked him as a coach. I think we mentioned last week, really liked him as a coach um, through that great Pacer era. You know, coached Reggie Miller's kind of final few years, um, which was great. But, um, yeah, like you guys mentioned, best coach on the market. 
um, you can't complain. It's a, it's a win move by the Simons, isn't it? Uh, obviously, got a pretty big contract. They're still paying out Nate Bjorker next year, so um, it's not like an all-in move. But yeah, it's a it's a great great move towards you know succession. Hopefully, in the near future. I think it signals an all-in move. I think it, this signals that the Indiana Pacers want to win a title in the next four seasons. So the next four seasons that Rick Carlisle is their head coach. They wouldn't be giving, I think, a reported about $7.5 million to Carlisle per year. He, that would make him one of the top five or ten highest-paid coaches in the league. Uh, they wouldn't make that investment if they weren't all-in on uh, trying to win a title. They wouldn't pay a coach that amount of money. I mean, there's been a reluctance, I think, from ownership to pay large sums of money uh, to coaches to above the luxury tax, like any more than they have to. And this signals to me that I think, Alex, the team are ready to maximize this roster, whether that means tweaking it, making more moves, upgrading a position, whatever the case may be, but maximizing this roster for a title run over the next four seasons. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, speaking of the roster, I think this is a very interesting move. You know, I've seen people say that, oh, now with this, you can run Sabonis and Turner back. I don't really see it that way. I still think one of those guys get moved, but we'll talk about it. I think it might shift it a little bit because uh, if you guys have seen, Rick Carlisle absolutely loves Miles Turner. We know he loves his stretch bigs, won a championship with one. Um, he also loves Doug McDermott, by the way, coached him back in Dallas. So it's worth noting a free agent there. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll get your thoughts on that. What do you guys reckon? Does it shift it maybe a little bit in the Sabonis being moved direction? I, I'm really torn over this. I mean, I think the the keys for me, I'm, I'm trying not to look too much into it, but I can't help myself. I mean, the, yeah. the line from Carlisle uh, today was that the Pacers have unselfish players on their roster, which I think was uh, a little bit of a thinly veiled shot at some selfish players on his Mavericks roster that he just <laughs> left. But also, I mean, the report from Jay Michael that we discussed last week said that Domas Sabonis played selfishly this season. So the question for me is, and Miles Turner is one of the most unselfish players in the league, let alone on the paces. I mean, he's given up shots. He's given up a role as a, you know, a front and center sort of franchise piece to be, to do his role to the best of his ability over the last few seasons. So Justin, can you keep a guy like Domas that seems to fly in the face of that regardless of his obvious, you know, all-star superstar potential uh, talent. I mean, do you basically say to Carlisle, you need to coach this guy to be less um, selfish and a better player for his teammates and build a better culture around the team? Or do you just cut bait and say, let's maximize what we can get for this guy. He just put up like amazing triple doubles down the stretch. His value is very high at the moment. So we're just making, taking advantage of that value. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think you're going to know what Rick Carlisle obviously sees as the future of the Pacers. I think he will sit with Kevin Pritchard. You know, we've got an experienced head coach. He he coaches against the Pacers twice a year minimum. So he knows what we like to do, uh, how to stop us. So um, we're going to see what he obviously thinks about the Big man. I, I think, like Alex mentioned, this glowing review of Miles Turner. Um, you know, if you're on the Sabonis camp or the Turner camp, I think if you're in the Turner camp, today's news just got a lot better for you because I think there's a lot higher chance he stays a pacer now after that Rick Carlisle move. Um, you know, glowing endorsement of him. So, yeah, Sabonis might be on his way out. As I messaged you guys, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but, you know, if you can package Sabonis in that pick 13, geez, you, you could bring an impact player in, couldn't you? 
you absolutely could. I mean, Alex, I'm interested in what you think we could get potentially for for Sabonis with that pick 13. Um, but I, I want to draw attention to, I guess, the way that uh, Rick Carlisle's teams have played over the last 10 years plus. I mean, if you cast your mind back to the championship level team, he had Tyson Chandler at that time, who was a rebounder, shot blocker, but more, most importantly, protected the rim. Um, in more recent times around the later Dirk teams and the early Luca teams, we've seen guys like Maxi Kleber um, play and, and Miles Turner is obviously a better version of that sort of a player. He's, you know, a, probably he's definitely a better shot blocker. He's probably a comparable three point shooter, um, but he can protect the rim um, better than way, way better than anyone that, uh, that Rick Carlo had on that Mavericks team. So if you take that Sabonis and that pick 13, Alex, what, what sort of player are you targeting or uh, what sort of position are you targeting? Man, it's, it is super tough for me to get a gauge on what kind of value either of our bigs have because I think this free agent class sucks. I'm going to be honest. This free agent class is not enticing whatsoever. So, you know, if you're going to go after a player, it has to be in the trade market. Uh, so as you said, I think Sabonis' value is at an all-time high. I think Miles' value is at an all-time high. So I don't know exactly what you can get, but I know that, look, if you're KP, you have to take calls for both of them. I know Sabonis is right now your best player, but you have to take his uh, uh, offers for him. You know, We talked about Golden State, have picks 7 and 14. Um, there, there are some other teams that might want to trade out of their picks to uh, the Raptors looking for a center. So I know you love Siakam, but I don't think they'll move on from him. Um, so there, there are plenty of moves that the Pacers could make. I'm really interested in how this works out for Malcolm Brogdon, Justin, because I actually think this is a really good thing for Brogdon because I think Carlisle tends to clash with, you know, guards overall. He's been known to clash with point guards over the journey and usually point guards that are particularly opinionated and particularly, I guess, brash. Brogdon is more reserved than that, more, you know, potentially quite an intelligent guy. He'd also know that they've lost two coaches in the last two years and the heat will be coming on him this season uh, to make it work with Carlisle. Otherwise, he'll be out of there um, because I think Rick Carlisle now is at the top of the pecking order in terms of he commands respect, whereas Bjorkren last year... Uh, had to go above and beyond to please his star players or certainly felt that he had to. Um, With Rick Carlisle, the players aren't going to be able to get away with anything less than supreme respect for the head coach. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we we said, or KP said, the Pacers struggle with leadership all year. We all know that. All fans know that. Everyone in the staff, probably everyone in the NBA knows Pacers had no real leaders. So Rick Carlisle comes in as a championship head coach, you know, future Hall of Famer, and he he garners your respect. You, you can't not listen to him. He's been there as a player. He's been there as a coach. So none of the players on our team have done that. So you get that automatic respect when you walk into that stadium day one, You've got the players' respect from the get-go. He also knows how to um, coach star players. You know, you've got Dirk, you've got Luca. You know, two of the best players really ever in the NBA. Uh, he's coached them, one to a championship and one to you know superstar level. So, um, yeah, as I'll you know, I'll read out the quote from Reggie Miller, and I think it's spot on. I, I totally agree that Reggie came out today and said, "I think it's more so time now for the players currently within the paces to start looking at themselves in the mirror." Because they ran off Nate McMillan, a Final Four coach now. First-year head coach Nate Bjorkman was gone after one year. So the players have no more excuses now. They're getting a Hall of Fame coach to be coming in, a guy that's won a championship. It's time for these players to start looking in the mirror a little bit. Now, do we all agree with the GOAT? 
Definitely. <laughs> I'm so glad he came out to say it, Alex. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it, haven't we? I mean, all the reports indicate that uh, Brogdon was kind of the the leader behind the McMillan firing, if you will, and then even Bjorken. We've talked about they butted heads. So, you know, if you're in the locker room, you need to stand up and someone needs to be a leader. We've talked about it all year. Miles tried to be that guy a little bit, um, but we need Brogdon, Sabonis, even Levert and Warren. Like Those guys need to step up and, and show some leadership this season. Definitely. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, I guess, the <clears throat> the players on the roster that, that can benefit the most from this. I mean, obviously, TJ Warren is he's going to be unleashed regardless. I expect that Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle have had a lot of conversations about how TJ Warren can be best deployed on both ends of the floor. And I think that TJ Warren has the opportunity to be the best player on the roster this upcoming season. Uh, I think we talked about his extension last episode. I hold firm on the fact that I think he's going to be the highest paid player in the roster, um, whether it be now or, or this time next year. But I think that it's clear that, that Carlisle needs to uh, put his, I guess, faith and trust in a veteran leader, in a guy that's going to lead by example. Um, Warren is clearly one of those guys. Levert may be a little bit young. Um, doesn't have as as much experience in these sorts of situations. Whereas I think, you know, TJ Warren's been on this team for two years now, a bit longer than Karis Levert, well well known and I think well liked in the locker room. I don't think there'd be anyone on the roster that would dislike TJ Warren. He seems like a very likable um, guy. So I think TJ Warren, Justin, has the best chance to, to come out of this and break out next season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think there's so much... You could do with the Pacers roster now. Um, this, I don't know which way KP is going to go. Um, I still believe that we won't have the same fight starting five as next year, but um, there's just so many directions we can go with, you know, Sabonis, uh, Turner and, you know, Brogdon, there's even been rumors about trading him. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. For, for me personally, though, it's funny, like, it's given me a bit of hope. I feel like ever since... Yep. The Game 7 series against Cleveland when we had that, you know, Oladipo, Bogdanovich team and we took LeBron to seven. I've really been excited about the Pacers since then. Um, obviously, we all know we're diehard fans. It's been a lot of tough times. But today you wake up and go, oh, God, could we actually go back to being a real competitive and, you know, a team striving for an Eastern Conference championship again. So uh, today gives hope. Um, you know, we've got a good head coach. Hopefully KP makes the right moves in the offseason. And, um, yeah, we can get back and at least win a playoff series because that's where the paces belong. We all know that. Uh, Rick Carlisle is coming to win multiple playoff series. That's the reason that he was hired is to win two, three, four playoff series next season, the season after that, the season after that. The, the question is, you're right, how does the starting lineup look? And I think the difference between this year and the last two years is that the Pacers have actually pieces to trade now. I mean, one of the starters, the 13th pick, a guy like Aaron Holiday off the bench, you've got salaries, you've got players, you've got uh, Jeremy Lamb's expiring contract this season. Um, you have pieces to be able to trade for a guy that's making $30 million or more next season. And I think, Alex, that's the the key that I think previously either the players were too new and unproven and there wasn't uh, there was a bit of an unknown quantity and therefore we didn't want to trade the player. They were leading into their first rookie extension like Turner and Sabonis over the last two seasons. 
um, or their number was so low that you couldn't trade for a better player. Whereas now you have a lottery pick, you have a couple of guys on the all five starters making more than $12 million a year and Lamb as salary filler. You can put together a package or any package using one starter and Lamb, two starters and Lamb, a starter, Lamb and Holiday and the pick to get something really good. And that's why I actually think this draft is is super interesting for the Pacers standpoint. You know, the 13th pick, it might not scream out to you, but you can get a good player that can influence your roster there. And and just saying, you know, Lamb and Holiday, who you mentioned there, those are two guys who, who, you know, I look at the rotation right now. If we bring back TJ McConnell, look at your guard spot. Yeah, you got Brogdon, Levert, obviously your starters. Then you have TJ McConnell and I think Sumner, right? Solidified himself as that backup guy who can come off the bench and, and bring energy off both ends. So to me... I really think, I mean, Aaron Holiday, we know he gets DMPs as it did, but I think Lamb right now is in no man's land, right? I, I think he doesn't really have a place on this roster. They tried to play him power forward. It was a disaster. So I, I agree with you. If you can package those guys and get even somebody who can, you know, you don't even have to package them with a starter. You can put Lamb and Holiday together and maybe get another bench piece, uh, like a backup wing or something. So there, there's plenty of options for KP there. It's funny. I really think Aaron Holiday could be used in Milwaukee right now. I think Milwaukee are one sort of bench guard who can, who's happy to take a few shots. Um, that's, I guess their, uh, their instant offense is, is missing because their offense has been so poor throughout the playoffs. So I think there are teams in the league is my point that will take a chance on Aaron holiday that do see him as a bench scoring option that can deploy him for two, three, four minutes in a half and try and get, four or six points a half um, and try and get a couple of buckets from him. I think uh, there'll be smart teams that try and get him, but uh, I think he's played his last game in a Pacers uniform. Justin, I know that that will satisfy you because (laughs) you've won the debate, but um, I think his days are numbered, which brings me to his brother. I mean, Justin, do you, I mean, this is a business as we know, but if Aaron holiday is dealt does Justin Holiday express dissatisfaction? Is he out the door next? It's a real interesting one. Obviously, we don't know the we know they're tight as brothers and stuff like that. But um, I'm starting to think Justin might more want Aaron to succeed in the NBA and just know he's not really working out for the Pacers. He's been here, you know, a few years now. He's had his chance. I don't think Justin would be unhappy with management. Um, he's got to look out for his brother. And if Aaron can get a better opportunity elsewhere in the NBA, you're not going to be displeased with that. So uh, I, th- I feel like they've given him every chance. Uh, so, yeah, if he, if he's gone, obviously would want him to succeed. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, any any trade scenario on mock draft, I'm, I'm happy to listen to. But if it includes Ben Simmons, I'm out. I was actually going to bring up Ben Simmons next. I was going to bring the mood down a little bit because uh, there's been a lot of Ben Simmons talk this week. And we, of course, follow the majority of people on Pacers Twitter. And Ben Simmons' name was brought up time and time and time again. This is an Australian Pacers podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, arguably the most well-known Australian player in the NBA right now and his future. I think there's a pretty clear consensus from all three of us, though. Don't go near Ben Simmons. Do not go near Ben Simmons. I think. Don't get me started. The the articles this week regarding 
him getting rid of his shooting coach that Philadelphia had assigned to him and picking his brother instead, um, and then coming back and shooting a worse percentage. I mean, it is clear that Ben Simmons is all about Ben Simmons, and that's great. And more power to him. He's a he's you know going to make more than two hundred million dollars in his life playing basketball. That is awesome, but. And he's, he's made $200 million listening to the people around him. So therefore, in that by that metric, he is a success and he should keep listening to the people around him. Now, if he wants to be a better basketball player, he's going to have to start listening to some people that are better at teaching people basketball. And right now, he's not listening to those people. He's listening to the people that make him money. And that's great if his priority is making money. But if his priority is winning championships, then Alex, he, he's got to improve his game we you know what this reminds me of you talk about you know who players surround themselves with and i think the worst example of that is oladibo yes whoever he has around him he's circle like i don't want to offend anyone but whoever's talking in oladibo's ears literally screwed him over this past 24 months so you know i think that can really influence the way a player thinks but from australian fan point it's disappointing to see Ben Simmons pull out of uh, Tokyo. I feel like we would have had a really good team. Uh, you know, him and Thibault coming into that squad would have been sick defensively. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I will say on the mock trades for Simmons, for those who, who are trying to say that Simmons and Sabonis w- would team up together, no. Like, if you think Simmons and Embiid are bad, <laughs> Simmons yeah. and uh, Sabonis would be a little would bit worse, if not way worse. Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's stop with those ones. Well, ironically, Simmons and Turner are a really good pairing. I mean, Simmons that would be a better to, fit yeah, to but... stretch. Um, I mean, that defensively, that would be formidable, and and obviously, Miles could stretch the floor for for Ben Simmons. But I, I yeah, Justin, I, I just I I can't see Ben Simmons improving based on his current attitude towards improving, which he seems to think he's just kind of happy to be where he is. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts. I can nearly turn this into a Ben Simmons <laughs> podcast episode. Like, I've um, I've been pretty harsh on him since he's been drafted. I don't I don't rate him at all as a player. Um, never have. Um, I've gone up against it being an Aussie. You know, dealing with a lot of Australians loving Ben Simmons, which is great. You always want to support the hometown hometown kid. But you know, just a quick story. I remember being at the Kobe Bryant event in Melbourne, and someone asked him about Ben Simmons, and Kobe's exact quote was. Um, He's got to get a jump shot. I'm dead ass serious. If not, he'll regret it. You don't want to retire and look back and go, man, if I just had a jump shot, what would I have done? Now, this was about, what, two years ago? Um, Nothing's changed. I don't know what Simmons does. You know, there's rumors all he does is just online gaming and he doesn't work on his shot. And, you know, you've got to believe it because his shot hasn't improved at all. Um, So I see some 76er fans are blaming Embiid for getting knocked no. out in the second round, which no. is just laughable. Like, Embiid was running around on one leg and he's still dropping 30 points every night. I, I can't stand people who have a goal at the best player on the best team, like, on, on their team. This is not Embiid's fault. He had no help. He had no help whatsoever. Seth Curry was their second best player. Like, you're not going to get in the championship with Seth Curry. But, um, yeah, Simmons has a lot to work on. To me, you talk about the Olympics, Alex. Um he he doesn't seem Australian. I, I don't know about you guys. It seems like he's kind of morphed into a like an you American. Do you think he'll ever play? Do you think he'll ever play again no. for Australia? No, no, he he won't. And I don't know why you wouldn't. He he's getting roasted worldwide. Why wouldn't you come out and play the Olympics? And your hometown country might be like, oh, we love you. We get around you. Like you're part of us. Like Paddy Mills, everyone loves him. But with Simmons, 
Um, he's got a bit of Andrew Bogut to him. Just he's he's really hard to like uh, his personality and his demeanor. Um, and you could see that in his post game press conference. He got really arrogant, saying, "How many assists did I get? Oh, what did I hold Trey Young shooting?" It's like, mate, you didn't score in the fourth. Did you get a W? Yeah, did you win? You're out in the second round against Atlanta, which is a huge upset. So yeah, I could go on forever, um, but. Yeah, I think he has a lot to work on. And myself, I'm a shooter. I don't like players who can't shoot the basketball. It's what the sport is. Like, get in the gym and work out. I've got two points. The first one being I was really hyped for Simmons to get in the league and I watched far too much LSU college ball back in the day. And the one thing that myself and my friend who both watched his game spoke about was how passive he was on offense. And at the time, we blamed the LSU coach. We said this coach is clearly doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know how to get Simmons in the offense. Why is he just standing in the dunker spot? Why is he so passive? Sorry, that's just who he is. It's, it wasn't that the coach was doing the wrong thing. That is who Ben Simmons is as a player. He is passive when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. He doesn't do the things that he needs to do to help his team when he doesn't have the ball in his hands on offense. He does the things that he needs to do when either he has the ball or he's on defense. But when he hasn't got the ball, he may as well not be on the court. I mean, that's that's the, the reality of the way that he plays. The second thing that I'll say is that, Alex, you hit the nail on the head if... If Simmons, Simmons will probably never play for Australia, which is really unfortunate because, Justin, you said it, this country gets around stars. It embraces stars that, that want to play for the country. I mean, our, our American listeners wouldn't know a lot about cricket, but you pull on the cricket uniform, the, the baggy green cap, and you are a superhero to young people in Australia. You are revered. You are beloved. You are, you know, held in the very, very highest of esteem and regard around the country because you are fighting for the country. You are trying to win something for the country. And Olympians are no different. I mean, our American listeners would be well aware of how revered um, Olympians are, gold medalists are, people who even get silver or bronze and do their best and come out of nowhere. I mean, the Olympics is a place where all of these people can thrive. But Alex, it it seems like Ben Simmons, not just to your point, Justin, is difficult to like, but he doesn't really care or want to be liked either. And honestly, it's hard for me to even even put it into words, but I think a lot of Simmons' issues is just mental. Like, he, he gets in his own head and, you know, sports is so much based on confidence, isn't it? We've talked about Miles with his confidence sometimes, but, yeah, I think Ben Simmons is, is one of those guys, similar to Paul George last year. Like, he was going through it in the bubble and he looked terrible. He came back. So, you know, it, it's not the end for Ben Simmons. He's not – I don't think he's as bad as, you know, half of Twitter will have you thinking. He's still a good player. And I think it, with a new home – he can contribute. So, yeah. you know, look, he can still be a good player, but yeah, he needs to get get the mentor right first. And with a veteran motivational player, I mean, Damian Lillard is the perfect example of a guy who is beloved around the league, is highly respected, has done it all, has won playoff series. I mean, you put him around Ben Simmons and I feel like, Justin, if Dame couldn't get through to Ben Simmons, then no one can. Well, it's hard, right? And... <laughs> Because he's essentially, you could argue, apart from Jokic now, you could argue he's 
playing with the best big man in the league currently. If he wasn't playing with a good big man, I'd say, oh, man, if you pair him with a good big man, you know, who gets doubled in the post and can kick it out, it might work. But he's already had that. So I don't know what more he wants. Um, I understand what you're saying with Lillard. Yeah, that would help. But he's just got to go in the gym. Like, we all saw that clip of him passing that wide-open dunk up. Who, Who in their right mind does that? And... You know, Doc Rivers and Embiid came out and said that that essentially cost them the series, that that play, because it just – the air went out of the building. Every, you know, everyone in the stadium was, like, flabbergasted you'd pass that up. So, um, yeah, I, I remember a great Kobe quote, which I'll, I'll always live by. And he said, um, you know, he'd always get into the gym at um, 5 a.m. for his first training session overnight. And then someone asked him about Simmons and he said, well, Simmons better get there at 1 a.m. every night. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't look like he is. Yeah, it's it's not looking great. I mean, there's going to have to be some drastic changes for Ben Simmons to be a, six, be a success even more than he already has been. I mean, maybe you see the ceiling. Maybe this is who he is. He's a great passer. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defensive player. Maybe that's it. Maybe he'll just never have a jump shot. So let me put it to you, Adam and Alex. Would you do Brogdon and a filler for Simmons? No. No. Because him and Sabonis would be a terrible fit. So if we were going to get Simmons, it would have to be a three-team deal with Sabonis. Yeah. No. No. It it, it can't happen. I mean, I, I can't see... Rick Carlisle just left a team where a player was, you know, demanding, demanding his own coaching staff, demanding his own, you know, I guess perks. Uh, and it seems like Simmons is from the same school uh, and tends to demand what he wants. I mean, there, there's reports this week that he was the reason that Jimmy Butler wasn't re-signed. And that is crazy because we saw what Jimmy Butler did when he went to Miami. If um, if Philly had just paid Jimmy Butler what they needed to pay Jimmy Butler, then I dare say we'd probably be talking about Ben Simmons as an NBA champion right now. Uh, that was a really scary team. But yeah, Ben Simmons is going to have to make some pretty significant changes uh, heading into next season. And if he doesn't, then he'll continue to cop the same criticism. And maybe he's okay with that. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's like Andrew well, Bogut in that he's so he's copped so much criticism that he's now just switched off. Yeah. You, you, you know what this proves somewhat? That tanking doesn't always work. Yeah, Look at Philly. Five, six years, they have never, they never made a conference finals and to me, that that's it. Their their era of competing, they got to reshuffle now. You know, yeah. they've lost Butler, Reddick. Um, now they're probably going to lose Simmons. That you know, they drafted what Okafor, Fultz, and Simmons for yeah. tanking years. And you could make the argument all three of them are trash. Like well, tanking of, doesn't always work. Yeah, speaking of as well, you I mean you look at Cleveland, another team who's got another top three pick this year. How many top three picks do yeah. they want, man? Like they they got to compete at some point. But but before we end, I just want to talk on Philly. Uh, a guy who coached with Rick Carlisle back in the day. We got to get Dan Burke back, boys. I, I yeah. need Rick to bring him back. If Philly is blowing it up, come on, Dan, come back home. Absolutely. I've looked at Rick Carlisle's last, I think, ten years of offensive defensive ratings. He's been top 10 in offense most years. He's been around like 18 to 22 in defense uh, in the league. So it's clear that he needs a whiz defensive coach beside him. And that's Dan Burke. I mean, you you pay Dan Burke whatever it takes to get him back. 
essentially. Um, Philly's clearly not a great environment right now. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the offseason. I think they'll try and keep Dan Burke. They probably will keep Dan Burke. But if there's any way to get Dan Burke back on this uh, on this roster in this franchise, you pay whatever it takes to, to do that, Justin. I mean, that... Uh, Carlisle and Burke on the same roster, you can effectively have two development coaches out there as the other two and you'll be fine. Well, yeah, I agree. And uh, geez, don't, don't bash me if I'm wrong, but I swear I saw online on Twitter today that I think Terry Stotts has been a Rick Carlisle assistant at some point. Um, how good would it be to get him as an, like an assistant as well? Yeah. Essentially got two head coaches, um, on, on the staff there. So who knows? Terry Stotts might demand a head coaching position. He, he probably does deserve it. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to bring him in. But, look, I think we can safely say, touch wood, there's not going to be as much fiasco and mess with the paces next year now. Definitely not. I think um, I'll finish with this one question for the both of you. We got the 13th pick in the draft lottery just the other day. Alex, in a word, do we keep the 13th pick? Yes, we do. Justin. Yes. I'm saying we don't. I'm saying we Ooh. use it along with another piece to upgrade the roster. I think that that you will think be we the go for a, for a starter or do you think we trade up? I think we trade the pick. I think we, we will pick a player because we're not allowed to trade picks in consecutive years. Yeah. We'll have to pick the player and then sign the player. But then that player will be used as a package with another player to upgrade that position. Now, whether it be upgrading a bench player to a better bench player or upgrading a starter to a better starter, I'm not sure. But um, I I can't see Goga and a rookie being on this roster. I think we can we only have room for one younger guy um, on this team if we want to compete for a title. Um, I hope I'm proven wrong because I want to I want a rookie to root for next season. That's for sure. Well, I think we need I'll it. tell you what, if we draft a centre, something's happening. <laughs> That's very true. It's very true. We'll leave you on that note. We've been the Pacer Roos. We'll see you next time.